happening wasn't i just talking to you people (laughs) anyway um always on the run leading us into the running back uh podcast we're gonna sit here for 20 30 minutes maybe a little more hopefully not um and we're just gonna go over these running backs i just just try to get a little bit of this out i wasn't able to do a a draft plan article um so i just want to give you guys a feel for how i see the shape of this position and 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 talk about some of these guys define some of the areas of the draft we want to sort of be respecting um, you know, as elite and some other areas we want to avoid, um, and all of that. Um, now, unlike receiver, you know, running back, I mean, running back's a lot deeper than it used to be, but clearly the quality runs out at some point and we move into the 50 50 area. And running back is a position where we need multiple guys who we can count on. It's not one of these things where we're playing matchups and stuff. You know, I mean, usually you've got two or three running backs you can trust, and those are your guys. So it's important to get some of this stuff right. Um, and for me, the first round is a place where I am, for the most part, looking to go running back. I, I have done some zero um, RB builds this year. I'm not totally locked into taking running back, but I think for the most part, you know, when I look at the first round, with the exception of Travis Kelsey. Um, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, it's all running backs. So, you know, I'm 9 out of 12, you know, 9 out of 10, you know, running backs, depending on the kind of league you're in. Um, Now, McCaffrey's number one. I'm not going to waste any time. He's number one. Boom. Done. Um, I I have Saquon at number two, mostly to let people understand that I'm willing to take him there. You know, if, if I have multiple shots at the second pick, I'll probably mix it up. You know, at this point, I think Kamara is viable there because of the Winston thing. The problem with leaning in too hard on that is that, hey, Winston could be out by the second quarter, right? I mean, hey, Winston's a starter. Yeah, you could come in and throw three picks in the first quarter. We might not see him again. So, you know, we have to respect that element of Winston. I mean, I'd like to think that he's had good coaching now for several seasons in a row. He had Arians and Peyton and, and maybe the risk-reward issues he has you know, are getting better. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I sort of like Jameis. I'd like to see him do well, you know, but who knows? Um, so, you know, we don't want to just like say Kamara is now going to have Jameis for 17 games. He may not, but at least for the early part, I'm more enthused that they've gone this way. Hopefully it holds. Um, now granted, you know, Taysom Hill was a guy I was interested in getting some use out of in some leagues, but that's another podcast. Um, so, 
McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. This is my clear top five. My clear top five. If you want to take Dalvin second, do it. Do it. I mean, I could not have less of a problem with that. You know, to me, it's a very tough decision on all of these backs. They all have different positives and negatives. I tend to be a little bit of a confident owner. I draft as if I'm going to be a playoff team, which is why I like Henry a lot in this group, because I feel like when you get to the playoffs, what could be better than Derrick Henry? You know what I mean? Um, And, you know, I like the the fresh legs with Saquon and blah, 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 blah. But these guys are the elites. Order the top five however you want. If you even want to push an Aaron Jones or a Zeke into your top five, I'm not going to get real upset about it. They're great, too. Um, You know, Jones has a little bit of a workload question. Zeke, you know, a little bit of a down year. A little bit, you know, Dallas, there's that little element of it. Is Dak okay? But by and large, I'm very confident in Zeke. Joe Mixon, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, very confident in these players. I like them a lot. Order them however you want. Um, You know, the tiers for me in this first round area are those top five I mentioned. Then a mini tier of Zeke Jones, a mini tier of Mixon Taylor, uh, and, and, and Eckler, Chubb, Gibson, Najee Harris, sort of a tier after that. These guys are all really good. Um, you know, the riskier players, you know, of the group would probably be like Eckler and Gibson, Eckler for injury, Gibson for role, ambiguity. Um, I've talked about Harris with Hack today. It'll be on the show on Sunday. You know, I feel like he's moving up boards because people are doing the math. I feel confident that he's going to catch enough passes to make that second round uh, area look really like a sweet spot for him. I'm very confident taking him if I have to. Nick Chubb, love him. He's going to score a ton of touchdowns. He's going to touch the ball about 20 times a week. Um, So that top 13 I feel really good about. Now, Edward Solaire is at 14. He's had that little sprained ankle, so maybe, you know, right now we're not sure if he could have a little bit of a slow leak week one or something like that. A little bit of trepidation there, but it sounds like it's nothing, no big deal. Um, I feel good about Montgomery and Dobbins and now James Robinson. With Etienne out, James Robinson for me is a confident pick because, I mean, I love James Robinson. You guys know from last year. I believe that this guy is a very good player, and then he went out and proved it. Um, You know, the only thing about Robinson that bothers me now that Etienne is gone is that he's not, you know, an Urban Meyer guy, but Meyer seems to like him. So this should be Robinson and Carlos Hyde with Robinson leading the way. That's the most likely scenario. Even if Hyde does well, I think, you know, Robinson could end up being overdrafted where I have him, but he's still going to be pretty good. He should still be a playable running back for you. Um, you know, Chris Carson is at 18. Um and, and the next guy is DeAndre Swift. And the groin thing is starting to concern me a little bit because he's a player where the groin matters in that, you know, quickness and, you know, you know, stringing moves together. He does a lot from his core and, you know, your core is related. So, I, you know, a little concerned about Swift that he may not be himself until week two or three or something like that. And I'm a little concerned about this team. I'm just concerned about Detroit because they're Detroit. Um, Mike Davis at 20, I have a lot of confidence in. And this is where things sort of end for me in terms of the confidence. Now, I think Josh Jacobs is a really good player. He's my RB21. I love Josh Jacobs as a football player. But, you know, I'm just concerned they're not going to throw him the ball enough. And if he's not catching the ball, if he's not getting a regular diet of targets, he becomes game flow dependent. And you saw it in his results last year. He's way better when the Raiders win games than when they lose games. And they're looking like a team that could lose more games than winning them. He's just got a problematic situation. I love the player. If you feel strongly that the Raiders are going to be really good, I'd move Jacobs up. 
Like, I mean, if you really have a, a legitimate feeling about that, that's not a heart and emotion thing, but a structural thing. Hey, if if, if the Raiders are going to win 10 games or nine games, I think Jacobs is probably more like where Carson is, for what it's worth. If they're going to be a good team and win like 12 games, then he's probably a, a verge of the second round kind of guy. Uh, it's really about what you think the Raiders are going to do, what kind of game scripts they're going to have, because he's game script, game flow dependent. Uh, the next guy up is Miles Sanders, strictly upside. Um, I'm not sure how long he can handle, a, excuse me, hang on to a full share. I like the other two backs in this backfield, and I've always felt, as you guys know, that Sanders is a little bit shaky with the fundamentals. He's shaky with vision. He's shaky with ball security. He tends to improvise when he shouldn't. He's big, he's strong, he's a good receiver. There's plenty of reasons why he'll be their lead guy, but I'm worried about him having a big enough share for him to really pay off. Now, in fairness to Sanders and to what I'm saying, he's going pretty late, so a lot of that is baked into the price. So I'm not opposed to you taking a chance on Sanders for upside. Just understand that you're doing that, and if he's your RB2, you better have an RB3 you can depend on, you know, if you want to be able to roll with the punches. Um, Javante Williams in my top 24 when... Not really sure if he should be. Daryl Henderson, same kind of thing. We, we're into that area now where, you know, you're taking guys for different reasons. I'm taking Javante Williams because I think at some point he's going to become the lead back. And I don't mind having him on my bench and using a second back if I can get him in the 60s or something like that, right? Daryl Henderson is sort of a placeholder at 60. I'm not sure where I'm going to really be on him. I'm basically fading him at this point. Uh, it could be a mistake, but that's what I'm doing. Um, Trey Sermon, I love, um, as you guys probably know. Uh, you know, look, the thing with Sermon is that to me, he's the guy who maybe could get most of the gig. Probably needs Mostert to go down, but that's happened enough where, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not betting against Raheem Mostert, you know, getting dinged up. So to me, Sermon is going to be a guy they trust in pass blocking. He's going to be a guy they trust to run the ball, to catch the ball, and I think he's going to be the goal line back. I sort of feel like Sermon, even if he doesn't get as much of the gig as I want him to, I feel like he could still be a fringe RB2 for you. So I think you can sort of buy him at floor and pray that things go well. Uh, Kareem Hunt is more of a buy at floor, and you sort of have to hope for an injury, but I think Hunt really is an RB3. You can get if you get him in the 70s, you're getting him, you're paying a little more than floor, but the upside is so high, I'm fine with it. Uh, and I you know, I know he the reason Hunt is diffed by the way is cuz people saw him get a shot at it and didn't do that well when Chubb was out last year. That had so much to do with the matchups and the weather and the way Cleveland was playing at the time. I'm absolutely not putting that on Hunt. So to me, if Hunt gets the gig, I'm as high on him as I was last year, maybe even higher cuz I think Cleveland's better. Um, Chase Edmonds is a guy where I think he's viable a lot higher than I have him ranked. Um, I think you could move him in as the next back to take after Sanders. It's just a question of what you value. Edmonds is sort of a safe play. I don't think he's going to light the world on fire. Uh, it's just, you know, horses for courses. Damian Harris has got challenges that could come from within his backfield. Ramondre's looked real good. But... Given that Michelle is gone, I feel pretty good about Harris as my RB29. Zach Moss is another good one. There's a lot of these guys. I mean, let's just go through. You know, Edmonds, Gordon, Damian Harris, Zach Moss, Raheem Mostert, Miles Gaskin, uh, Philip Lindsay, uh, Ronald Jones. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys can be weak RB2s that can hold down the fort for you. Some of them may end up being good RB2s for all we know. Um, and, you know, when... These guys are into the 30s. So there are ways to play the running back position 
Um, you know, if you want to go, you know, RB in the first round, then bang out three really good receivers, and you know, then maybe start banging out some running backs to deal with your depth RB two situation. It's a very reasonable way to play it, um, and there are plenty of RBs that have upside you know, even deeper than what we've mentioned. You know, Gus Edwards is an injury away from being a really valuable player, right? Jamal Williams could end up giving us real value in the early weeks um, if Swift misses time. Um, James Conner, if he's healthy, who knows? He could be a guy who scores 10 touchdowns. Uh, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, a lot of upside if he can unseat Harris or if Harris gets hurt. Uh, Sony Michelle is an interesting player now. Ty Johnson on the Jets, I think, is a very interesting player if you can get him cheap enough. Carlos Hyde is suddenly viable. Uh, Rashad Penny, one injury, could turn him into something. Um, you know, Jarek McKinnon. An injury could turn him into a big-time weekly scorer until he gets hurt, you know. Um, so th there's a lot of guys out there who have plenty of ceiling. You know, Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott are guys I like on the Eagles. Um, uh, you know, Kylan Hill, who is not my favorite running back. I'm definitely below consensus on him as a talent, but he is the second guy in the backfield on Green Bay who can catch passes. If something happens to Aaron Jones, uh, Kylan Hill is going to have some value. Um you know, I think keeping an eye on Matt Breida in Buffalo, all he needs is someone to get hurt in front of him. He could be an interesting player. Um, you know, a guy like DJ Dallas in Seattle, uh, he's a guy who could sort of come out of nowhere if there's an injury. Jarrett Patterson, I think, is a nice sleeper on the Washington football team. Um, if something happens to Gibson, he could become the early down back on that team. Um, so, you know, th there, there's a lot of depth out there. There's a lot of guys we can go after later in drafts for upside purposes. Um, you know, Running back, you know, I don't see it as a, you know, problem position. What's interesting about running back is the way the position gets feathered, you know, in one draft to the next. I see, I've seen drafts where once you get to, say, like the Jacobs, Miles Sanders pick, a couple guys who are shiny objects will go, your Javantes, your Sermons, uh, you know, maybe your your Chase Edmonds. And then some of these guys will stay on the board. Like I was in a draft where a lot of these guys, like Zach Moss, was on the board in like the twelfth round. This guy's a potential RB too. And what happens is you see a lot of RBs go early. When the RBs lighten up, people shift heavy to the to the receivers. When they shift heavy to the receivers, a lot of a lot of people start seeing the math. Like, oh my God, I don't have enough receivers. You know, I'm robust RB. Now I got to really commit to receivers. You get a whole bunch of people sort of swing towards that position. RB gets forgotten, and then the, all of a sudden, you see a lot of RB value around late. So, but it doesn't happen that way in every draft. So you sort of need to be prepared. And and you know, this is a year where. My base drafting strategy, as you guys know, I'm very willing to be a robust RB drafter, and I'm very willing to be a zero RB drafter. Depending on how a draft flows, I may opt to do either one, you know, in the second or third round or whatever. But this is sort of a year where I think my, my personal go-to strategy can work really well, which is keep your options open. Keep that, you know... Um, you know, that big board view, like when you're in a draft room and it says, you know, a uh, draft board, you can open up the, you know, the color chart where you've got the, the picks round by round and the color, you can look at your team uh, vertically. That's a really good thing to use because you, with a real quick glance, you know, if you're not using a cheat sheet, 
Um, and if you're using a cheat sheet, it's really easy to see the relative strength left at every position. But if you're not using a cheat sheet and you're just going through the dialog box in, in the draft robot or whatever you want to call it, the, the drafting applet, if that's what you're using, it's harder to see the shape of what's left. So it's good to keep that draft chart open where you can see the first round, second round, and everything goes you know, left to right, back and forth. And you can, like, if you're drafting in, in the middle position and, you know, you're about to make your pick, you can see what everybody's going to do before you come back up again. You can make an educated assessment. Um, so I'm a big fan on doing that, of keeping that. Like, I'll open up the draft window and then I'll open up a second draft window and put that permanently on the draft board so I can see the draft board, the full draft board all the time. And what that does is it can allow you to sort of see like, oh, wow, look, look at all those RBs that have been taken. This is an RB heavy draft. Or, you know, I, you know, oh, look at all that green, depending on what color the receivers are. I, I do the receivers in green. But, you know, this the predominance of a color can give you a, a feel for, you know, what's heavy so far. And if, if a certain area of the draft is super RB or, or wide receiver heavy, you know it's going to swing back at some point. Now, what's interesting is sometimes that doesn't mean you just shift positions, right? So if there's been a big run on receivers and, you know, they've eaten up a huge part of that, you know, T. Higgins to, uh, you know, Kenny Galladay part of the draft pool. And let's say there's, you know, a couple of guys left, say, you know, Antonio Brown is still on the board. Well, even though the run has been heavy into receivers, I may take Antonio Brown saying, well, he's the last guy on the board left who I think can crush his draft position. I'll switch to RB next round or something like that. I mean, you could do it that way, but it's something that you want to think about actively. You don't want to be brain dead at the switch. You want to be paying attention um, to how these positions are going in a particular draft. Because again, I've been in drafts where the receiver run is very different from one draft to the next. And it's important to understand the depth of the position in that regard. So what I'm getting at here is if you build evenly, right, if you can keep the quarterback position open, if you can keep the tight end position open and just stack running backs and receivers in, say, the first five, six rounds, it's really going to be hard for you to be in a really tough position if you're if you're taking good players. I mean, if, you know, if you're taking trash. That's one thing. But if you you know if you're four and four after eight rounds, you're still going to. I mean, the QBs are still going to be good. You're still probably going to get a good tight end. You may even get a Noah Fant or Logan Thomas um, and do really well. Um, so, you know, think about what your strengths as a drafter are. You know, if you're the kind of person who drafts really well when everything is completely chaotic, well, then you can be a, you can shoot a little more from the hip. But if you're someone who likes order and you and, and you like being confident in what you're doing, I think staying to the scarcity positions, sticking to those positions longer, can give you a little bit of a comfort level if that makes any sense. Um, so now what I'm going to do, you know, having talked through this thing a little bit. And, you know, we, we actually covered most of what I wanted to hit. Um, and we've got, another, we got, we got five, or, five or so minutes here to, to cover a couple more things. Um, let's talk about just a couple things that I think are sort of, you know, worth a little extra discussion. Um, first of all, I think the Houston backfield, I don't know how into it, but I am into Lindsey because I feel like he might be able to just... He's the guy they really brought in. I, it wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting more touches than we thought, and he's available really late. So I like Lindsey in that sense. Um, I think Ronald Jones is still the guy I like in Tampa. If there's one guy there who could just 
in my opinion, who could take it over. I think it's Jones. I think he's got the most life in his legs. And, you know, it really, if Tampa Bay is a really good offense, I think Jones is going to score a lot of touchdowns. So I think Jones is the guy who's available late who can end up being a real find, and you're not taking a big risk. Um, I spoke about Ramondre. I love his feet. We talked about that pre-draft, and, and, and he's running well now. The Patriots have cleaned out space for him. If something happens to Harris, Stevens could be a heck of a player. Definitely should be owned in all deep leagues. Um, yeah, and then Michelle, obviously. If you if Michelle stays on the board, if nobody wants him, I'll grab him. Uh, I'm not jumping up until like the sixth round or something like that. But I mean I'll you know if he's sitting if Sonia Michelle's sitting around in the tenth round, I'm definitely interested. Um, and then I, I mentioned Carlos Hyde earlier. Um, you know he may be one of like two backs who are getting use usage. And if something happens to the kid uh, Hyde can end up being something, um, and they may run a lot of, you know, RPO, and it, you know they may make it a little easier on Hyde than it's been with some of the other teams he's been on. People may be surprised at how well Carlos Hyde runs in this particular scheme. So I think you know Hyde's a guy I think should at least be on your radar. Don't totally forget about him in deeper leagues. Um, uh, Jarek McKinnon, I think you know, is a guy where looked pretty good last year till he sort of hit the the rehab wall. Now he's going to be in a, a scheme that really is well-suited to his talents. Um, one, He's one injury away from being perhaps a very significant player. So don't forget about Jarek McKinnon. I'm seeing him, I see him going undrafted a lot in some bigger leagues. It doesn't make sense. Uh, Damian Williams, I think, is a great handcuff. Definitely a guy. I, to me, Tariq Cohen is you know, just not even on my board this year. If I'm drafting a guy uh, either to bet against Montgomery or to cover my Montgomery redundancy, it's going to be Williams. So he's the handcuff and the upside play. Um, you know, and I've mentioned the Philadelphia backs. I like Gainwell and Boston Scott. I think either one of those guys in a deep league is a nice, is a nice flyer. Um, but I think the team I really... <laughs> there's a lot of irony here, but I think the team I want to talk about right now when it comes to running backs is the Jets. Um... You know, Michael Carter, I think, is the most valuable. But I think at least three, if not four, in deeper leagues of these Jets are worth chasing because this is sort of a San Francisco kind of paradigm where they're they're trying to install this offense. And I think they're willing to use more than one back. I think Carter's their guy. But if we look at Carter's usage in the last game, I don't know if they did that usage because they know what they have in him, they know what they're going to do with him, and they want to look at the other guys. Or if they want to look at the other guys because they're a little disappointed in Carter. It's tough to read the tea leaves on that. But I still like Carter. Draft him as an RB3. Hope he hits. But I also think that Ty Johnson, who I was really impressed with last year, you guys saw probably on the you know on DFS, I, you know he was a guy I was really pimping towards the end of the year. Um, he seems to have taken to the scheme well, and that's really all I needed to see to get excited. So to me, Michael Carter and Ty Johnson are the guys I'm really interested in. You know, depending on where I can get them. Um, you know, I'm willing to go on Ty Johnson a lot earlier than I have him ranked, for what it's worth, depending on the situation. I think the Jets are a team where you should be looking at the information coming out of that camp almost every day just to see if we can get a beat on this. Jarek, Mc excuse me, bleh, not Jarek McKinnon. Um, um, uh, Tevin Coleman, excuse me. Uh, both guys from San Francisco last year. Coleman is the other Jet who's interesting. You know, it's not like it's out of the realm that Coleman could just stay healthy be the guy who knows the scheme best, has the trust of the coaches because they worked with him last year, gets off to a hot start, and he could be the guy until something goes wrong. So I think all three of these guys at some point in a deep draft 
are really good uh, targets. And then, you know, LaMichael P. Ryan is the other guy. I don't like his scheme fit as much as the others, but, I mean, he looks pretty good just as a football player. So the Jets have four backs that we need to pay attention to. The the big three are the ones I mentioned first. Um, but, you know, my basic take is most drafts, I want to leave with one Jet running back, um, particularly Carter, Johnson, um, and Coleman. So, you know, to me, it's a, it's a you got to be in it to win it kind of thing. These, you know, the Jet backs, I'm sort of looking at them as sort of a, a lightweight version of the San Francisco backs. Um, and, you know, especially in deeper leagues, they can help you. Um, and I think Lindsay and like with the last pick of your draft in a shallow league, uh, excuse me, Carter, <laughs> and with the last pick in a shallow league, like Ty Johnson, uh, could be nice upside fire kinds of players. Um, and that's pretty much going to do it. Um, we wanted to do a quick running back discussion, uh, and that's what we did. Some of it was manic. I was really, <laughs> I was really ad living there for a while. Um, but I just want to give you guys some context. You know, sometimes my tone of voice can tell you more than just a ranking. Um, and you know, want to do the best we can with this stuff. So uh, I have drafts coming up this weekend. I'm sure some of you guys uh, and, and 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 gals do as well. Um, so again, feel free to hit me up on Twitter if you have any questions. Um, and uh, I am going to do one more rankings update probably around eh, well we'll see it's, it, once, I get, once I get dinner in the oven I'm going to come back and, and, and continue to grind and move stuff around so maybe look for something around 6.30 if you've got an 8 o'clock draft tonight there will probably be one more update um, and right now as soon as I post this running back podcast I'm going to do a very quick tight end podcast uh, and call it a day and open a beer uh, anyway, onward, upward. Thanks for listening to the Rotomon podcast, and uh, we'll see you in a few. Well, it was back in Blind River in 1962 when I last saw you alive. But we missed that ship on the long decline. Long may Long may